1: Good morning everybody, welcome to the program on SEN 1170 AM Sydney across the SEN network wherever you tuned in via the app. To those who got a little sneak peek there in the news, you now know what we're up to. Apologies for that, um, that's what happened. So sorry to interrupt your news, plenty of news breaks throughout the next three hours of course but we will push on regardless. The weather for Sydney today, did you cop the downpour around your place? It bucketed down at mine showers and 27 for the city is the forecast for today more showers forecast for tomorrow and the weekend ahead of us will mostly sunny saturday and sunday with tops of 30 degrees gee there's a fair bit on today folks so let's hook in 21 days until the start of the NRL premiership and the RLPA is turning up the heat and now putting a deadline on the NRL so they put a timeline on this and they're threatening industrial action So the list of demands that they've put a deadline around for today, and I assume it's by the close of business today, go around agreements on the NRLW salary cap in particular. So more focused on the women's side of the game, plus policies inside the CBA and RLPA autonomy. So they're saying to the NRL they need to be achieved today. If these deadlines and expectations are not met, they say, Players will be forced to implement activations to continue to hold the NRL accountable for their lack of progress. The list of threats, so what are those activations? We know what some of the demands are, and in a nutshell, most of them, like I say, go around the NRLW. The list of threats, delay kickoff at trial matches. So the pre-season challenge starts tonight. Delay the kickoff there. That's a delay cover your NRL logos while you're there at trials uh, trial matches so what put stickers over them put your hand over them and then refuse to participate in all external media so let's go back a step remember when this first came to our real attention was when they refused to participate in NRL media so not being there for photos for websites etc that the NRL does. Um, par for the course every year and I said at the time that's barely going to cause a ripple it's a pain but it's barely going to cause a ripple at headquarters and I also said at the time once this starts to bleed into the broadcast side of media then it will start to cause problems now look at this in reality delaying kickoff at trials again is a bit of a pain in the neck all trials are broadcast the pre-season challenge on Foxtel and KO. Now, they operate to times, obviously, but it's not going to interrupt their news and it's not going to interrupt their programming afterwards. You're married at first sights and all that kind of stuff that makes them big money. So is that going to have an effect? Probably not. So you delay your kickoff by five minutes and Fox just wait five minutes and off you go. You're covering your NRL logos. That's just taking a stand. Your refusal to participate in all external media, now the fight starts. Now I'm thinking that most of the pre-season media, that, and I, I'm happy to be corrected here, but most of the preseason media has been done for your two major broadcasters, Fox and Nine. I, I, I saw that they were all doing a little bit of the preseason stuff, so perhaps that's already done. All the promos that you see throughout the year, a lot of that I think is already done. So is that really going to make a difference now? Perhaps not. If that is not done, that's big time trouble because now you're putting the broadcasters who pay all that money straight in the line of fire here. And believe me, if they haven't already had a say, they will right now. But when I look at the list of threats, it doesn't really say much to me except for the fact that this is a slight escalation. And any escalation in this, could lead to the big end game as we know further industrial action which we don't want to see so the list of demands are there the rlpa has said you've got today to sort them out if they don't knowing full well that tonight is when the pre-season challenge starts we're going to make life a little bit hard for you where does this one end if you're at nrl headquarters are you scurrying around now to make sure there's no delay in terms of a kickoff time at trials? Are you scurrying around if you think that your logo's not going to be seen or be worn or shown by players? And are you scurrying around to get the broadcasters on the phone and stations like us, other stations around the country, other networks who say, well, you know what? We don't have anything now. We don't have any content that we pay for. What are you scurrying around to try and get this Uh, activation sorted so you can get the agreements done to try and stop it. It's an interesting question. How much of all that that I've just said is going to interrupt you, folks, the fans of the game, the supporters of the game? When you sit down to watch it, does it matter to you if tonight's game is at 6 p.m. or 6.05? You know, tomorrow night's game is scheduled at 5.55 p.m. I don't know why. So does it matter to you if that starts at 6 What matters to you the most when it comes to what kind of action the NRL players could take in this one? And that's probably the big question that they're looking at right now at NRL headquarters, now that they've had a time frame put on it. The old ticking time bomb. So we'll cover that one as the day moves throughout uh, closer towards the close of business. Then there's the secret recording saga. The NRL has appointed a barrister to interview its own staff members after the details that came to light yesterday, and we covered them yesterday with Webby, and he said that they were having meetings yesterday to try and sort this one out. So we know that an NRL executive allegedly secretly recorded a closed meeting between Andrew Abdo and the players, and allegedly that was on behalf of another NRL executive. And you've got to think, that if those allegations are true and the accusations are spot on, there'll be movement at headquarters on that one. Christian Welsh has said, I haven't heard too much on this, but I hope the NRL are taking it as seriously as we are because it's a really severe thing that's happened. It is. There's a fair bit going on in that world and you get the feeling that it's just stepping up a notch. Only a little bit, but it only takes a little bit to trigger a bigger fight when you're starting these kind of heavy negotiations. Meanwhile, we hope that Angus Crichton is going okay, the news emerging that he's in doubt possibly for round one, took time off from the pre-season camp in New Zealand over at Queenstown to deal with personal issues, rejoined his teammates at training this week. The Roosters play the Storm in Geelong on Sunday and their round one match will be the Sunday of round one on March 5 against the Dolphins, so... Um, we hope that Angus Crichton is doing okay. So what's in front of us in the preseason season challenges? Have you actually had time to sit down and work out who's playing who, where and when? <laughs> Two rounds, we know, for the pre-season challenge. 100 grand on the line. So tonight it's the Warriors v. West Tigers at Mount Smart Stadium. Six o'clock is the scheduled kickoff time. Tomorrow, Knights v. Sharks at Gosford. And then a back-to-back doubleheader with the Rabbitohs playing the Seagulls. So Anthony Siebold in charge of Manly now against one of his old clubs in the Rabbitohs. Saturday, two matches. One at Penrith at 6 o'clock. That's the Panthers v. Eels. Grand final rematch. And then the Dragons have St. Helens over here for the World Club Challenge. That's at Wollongong at 8 o'clock. And then we go to Sunday. Storm v. Roosters in Geelong in the afternoon, 1.50 p.m. Raiders have the Bulldogs in Maruya. Cowboys have the Dolphins in Cairns and the Broncos v. Titans on the Sunshine Coast at five past eight. So let me throw this to you. Who's got the most to gain and the most to lose in a two-match preseason challenge? 0457 736 736 is the text line. Who do you reckon, out of the clubs that are there, who's got the most to gain and the most to lose? Obviously... Everyone's looking at the Premiers. Everyone's looking at the runners-up. Everybody's looking at the new kids in town, the Dolphins. And then everyone's looking at the international team in town, St. Helens. When when you look towards Gains, possibly St. Helens, imagine if they knock it out of the park. A trip to Australia, a couple of matches, possibly 100K, possibly some big scalps, turn around and go home. That's kind of win-win. Who's got the most to lose? What if the Dolphins end this preseason challenge 0 and 2? A tough one to start with against the Cowboys in Cairns on Sunday night. Then they've got the Titans in Redcliffe in round two of the preseason challenge. So if the Dolphins don't fire, regardless, surely there are a whole stack of people lining up to take aim at everything. Expansion, should we have them there? Why hasn't Wayne Bennett done this? Uh, has he lost his time? Is it gone? There's a fair bit to lose, you got to say, for the Dolphins, even though they're brand new and perhaps those expectations shouldn't be as high as what they are. So let me know your thoughts on that. 45 And then we get to cricket today. So live coverage right here on SEN of the first test, India v. Australia in Nagpur. So coming up after my show, a special edition of The Run Home with Joel and Fletch. Matty Johns will join them as well. And then straight into the cricket, folks. So the likely 11 for Australia, Davey Warner and Usman Khawaja. Manas Labashane, Stephen Smith, Travis Head, Peter Hanscom is the key one there. I'll get back to that in just a sec. Alex Carey, of course, the keeper. Paddy Cummins, the captain. Todd Murphy appears to be in that running, as we told you yesterday. Nathan Lyon and Scotty Bolan. But the controversy around the doctored pitch, where they've selectively watered it to create a rough outside the off stump for the left-handers. Now, Australia's lineup of lefties is big time. And it may be reduced. And that's why we need to go back to Peter Hanscom in just a second. India will probably have two lefties in their starting 11. It looks as though we'll have five. Does India have the right to do what they want with the pitch? Do they have the right here? We'll probably have four by the time we get to it. But we're going to have more left-handers. And especially do they have the right to do what they want and then not be criticised when Australia's test v South Africa, at the Gabba, was a joke. It lasted two days. Now, Crash Craddock, who brought us the news yesterday that Todd Murphy was definitely in contention and has also revealed that Peter Hanscom's come into play here, has had a fair bit to say about it. On the Gabba pitch issue, he said, there's a difference between a stuff-up and a stitch-up. The Gabba curator was mortified when the South Africa test finished in two days and admitted he got it wrong. Now, Simon O'Donnell agrees with that, and I'll play you a bit of that audio a bit later on. On the Nagpur pitch, Crash says, well, the Nagpur deck, by contrast, looks like one of the most deliberate and cynical stitch-ups ever. A sneaky, shameless piece of pitch doctoring designed to create nightmares for Australia's left-handed batsmen. No kidding. That's exactly what it's designed to do. Former Indian captain and Indian coach, legend of the game, and part of our team, Ravi Shastri, disagrees on that front.
2: That's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing of that that, sort. It's more hype, more than anything else, you know, uh, surrounding this uh, first Test match. It always happens.
3: Do you feel Australian wickets designed for the Australian team? I wouldn't say
2: designed for the Australian Of course, uh, you know, when you look at the bounce, the pace, the the grass on that surface, I just watched a Test match between Australia and South Africa. That was great. I got up on the third morning and there was no cricket.
3: So if this finishes in three days, do you think it's a poor wicket? I don't think it's a
2: four-wicket if the quality of cricket is good. it's a, it, Sometimes you've got to see the quality of, uh, of the cricket. You know, if the, if the batsmen are not up to scratch and can't apply themselves or play properly, then the match will get over in uh, in three days.
4: So you don't think it's strange that they've they, they clearly uh, got a belief that Australians' left-hand batsmen are going to struggle, and there's a lot of them, Warner, Kawaja, Head, Carey, if Renshaw plays, mm.
3: that they've done... You think they've done this deliberately or not?
2: No, if, if, if the ball is going to turn from there, so be it. What? Is
3: this targeted at the left-hand hand, left batsman? Because as a lot of people would uh, agree, and I'm, I'm happy for you to have the counter argument, this is specifically designed <laughs> to favour India. Oh, so what? Uh,
2: it's home conditions. So do what suits you. Both teams have to play on
1: the surface. I take his point. I take his point. That was on Sports Day with Jared Healy and Kane Corns there, Ravi Shastri. So I want your point on this. Um, Crash Craddock reckons the ICC need to launch an immediate investigation. Paddy Cummins reacted perfectly, he said, by just urging his side to embrace the chaos. And he said he can let others fire up about the pitch. The less he makes of it, the better. But here's the reality. Here's the reality of that. Matt Renshaw was in the frame, no doubt about it. Matt Renshaw's a left-hander. Peter Hanscom will more than likely come in because he's a right-hander who won't be playing essentially on the non-corrupted part of the pitch that'll be worn quite severely, you'd hope, by the time he gets in. So if Renshaw's admitted, as Crash Craddock has said, he'd be the first batsman in cricketing history to lose his test place because of a shameful piece of curating. Would he be the first to be left in or out because of conditions? Do you put conditions into curating? Do you put home ground advantage into curating? And putting a batsman in or a batsman out or a bowler in or a bowler out, Crash reckons it's just not right. Well, left V right's the question. So, Warners a lefty. Usman Khawaj is a lefty. Marnus and Steve Smith are right-handed. Travis Head's a lefty. Peter Hanscom is a right. Alex Carey is a left. So, in your top seven, we've now got four left-handers if they decide to take Matt Renshaw out. If you're India, surely... That's the kind of result you're getting. Interestingly enough, Todd Murphy, who may well come into the team, is a right-handed bowler but a left-handed batter. <laughs> so imagine him coming in. In my opinion, you've got to do what you've got to do, and especially when you're at home. Is it over the top? It might be. Is it against the spirit of the game? I don't think so. I don't think so. We do things here in Australia that suit us. They do things in India there. That suit them. If it's forced to change in the lineup from the other side, then they've already won that part of the mind game. Australia now has to win the other part of the game, which is dealing with that part of the pitch. So all sorts of stuff goes on, and everyone's making a big deal of it. The interesting thing is, Patty Cummins, for instance, didn't buy into it. So it's down to the lefties, folks. Uh, Davey Warner, it's over to you. Usman, it's over to you. And then Travis Head. Um, Alex Carey, Todd Murphy, lefties, it's over to you. Who are the greatest lefties in sports? Obviously, when it comes to golf, lefty himself, Phil Mickelson, comes to mind. Alan Border, um, one of the great lefties. And then there's Rafa in tennis. Maybe you can throw out some good lefties at me today. And, of course, we need to do this this morning. Who needs to be your winner, winner, chicken dinner, winner of the weekend? Thanks to Char Chargrill Charlie's. So, Chargrill Charlie's looking after this segment for us, and we love it. 0457 736 736. Let me know who needs to be the winner-winner chicken dinner of the weekend. Do you reckon Latrell and Jack Whiten need a win over the fans at the All-Stars match? What about Paddy Cummins? Does he need to be the winner-winner chicken dinner just by winning the toss? And on the tennis circuit, there's a bloke called Alexander Bublik. And boy, does he need to be a winner-winner chicken dinner soon. I'll tell you about that in just a sec because it's a beauty. When it comes to blow ups, it's an all timer. And this guy really needs to be a winner winner chicken dinner. Thanks to Char grilled Charlie's home of Australia's best char grilled chicken and chips. Coming up today, Adam Pengilly from the Sydney Morning Herald with all the latest on this NRL v RLPA spat. Tim Zoo's next fight's locked in. Kudos, Bank Arena. Glenn Jennings will join us. Benny Graham, live from Arizona. Uh, covering Super Bowl as the countdown continues. We'll catch up with Robert Mack from Sydney FC and Chris Nelson will have his top tips for the weekend racing ahead. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Come and be part of the show on the open line. 1300 01 1170. Uh, Let's hook into the text line straight up this morning. Uh, This one from the Space Ghost. Matty, I'm so sick of any talk about these negotiations between the rugby league players and the governing body. Why does it have anything to do with me? I reckon if you did a poll of your business, we would vote that no one needs to report on it on this station until it's resolved. No one really cares. Uh, thank you for that, Space Ghost. However, the one below your text from PG reads, "Matty, I'm disgusted with these players' attitude in this argument. I'd followed footy for 30 years before Super League stuffed everything. It took me another 10 years to get my love back of the game. But if these players go on strike, and he uses some other words around that, we'll never watch another game. And I hope that thousands and thousands of other fans do the same. So disappointed. So Space Ghost, what doesn't matter to you, does matter to some other people. And PG, what matters to you, doesn't matter to some others. I mean, that's the way it plays out. And I reckon I'm with you on parts of that, Space Ghost. People are sick of this talk. People are sick and tired of this talk. And that's why I asked you the question, what does it have to do with you? And what, what about this action that's taking place as of this afternoon if they don't get what they want today in some of the demands that they've put down? Because that's when it starts to affect you if you're a footy fan. If you're not a footy fan, then absolutely get it. But if you're a footy fan and all of a sudden games aren't going to be there because of this, then surely it does have some sort of impact on you. I'd love to see the resolution just like a lot of other people would. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But you know what? It's stepping up. Just bit by bit, it's stepping up. Mike says, as a believer in the union movement, I can understand the RLPA threatening strike action. However, I hope the players remember what happened to the airline pilots and the waterside workers. He says on the text line there. 0457 736 736. They're going to refuse to participate in external media. They're going to delay, perhaps kick off at trials, and they'll cover over the NRL logos at trial matches if the certain demands that they put on the table are not met by today. Normally, when you push back pretty hard, you don't get what you want. So let's see where this one plays out. And they've got a few more cards in their back pocket to let it play out as well. Plenty of thoughts, too, coming in around this test and around the pitch. Um, Glenn says, can we just get on with the test match? We need to stop whinging. We're starting to sound like the Pommies. Well, the match starts this afternoon at 2.30, and you'll hear it right here. And the pitch will be in focus, but all the, st- all the talk stops, doesn't it? That's the great thing about when things get underway. The talk stops and the action starts. We'll catch up with Adam Pengilly from the Sydney Morning Herald after the news. Yeah, and looking forward to more of your thoughts on that one because they're coming in. Do you think India's got the right to do what they are doing with the pitch or do you just think, as some of our texters are saying, that it's an absolute disgrace? Right, let's dig into this issue of the day when it comes to NRL and I mean of the day because the RLPA has put a ring around this and said, if you don't deliver what we want in in terms of uh, certain direction in these negotiations, the deadline's today for three key conditions and then the action starts the sydney morning herald's been all over this adam pengilly from the smh is on the line morning adam
3: morning mate how are you mate
1: good thanks can we just backtrack a little bit here and just um outline for us i gave a bit of a brief to my listeners at the top of the show what are the list of demands that are on the table for today's close of play
3: yeah, there's three things the RLPA has asked the NRL to have finalised by close of business today. Uh, the first, well, the two of them relate to the NRLW. Uh, the first one's all the financial conditions around that competition. We know that the clubs haven't been able to sign any players whatsoever as it stands right now for the competition later this year, given there's no formal agreement on a salary cap and everything like that. So first of all is the financial terms of that. The second part is the non-financial conditions of the NRLW competition, what's going to govern those players for the next five years in terms of um, parameters, in terms of season length, uh, pregnancy policies, all those things that relate to the, the female players. I think, from everything that I understand, that both parties are relatively close on getting those things decided with the NRLW competition. The third one, to me, is a really interesting one, and that might be the sticking point later this afternoon. And the RLPA wants an agreement on autonomy uh, to look after their own funding Um separate from the NRL for the next five years. And that's going to relate to all the different programs they want to run, including their, I suppose, their welfare, their injury hardship, medical retirement funds, uh, well-being and stuff like that. And I think the NRL is going to be digging in for a fight on that one. So that's going to be, I think, a real sticking point for the negotiations later today. So, yeah, basically the three things that the RLPA and the NRL need to come to some sort of agreement of by today. Otherwise, they're going to escalate their action in this pre-season challenge over the course of the weekend.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'll get your thoughts on that in just a sec, but let's dig a bit deeper then. So like you say, the NRLW top of the list and financial conditions, you'd think, as you well say, that they're close anyway. So that that appears to be something you could get done and dusted by today. Obviously, most of the work's been done. The non-financial side would still be hard, but obviously they've done a bit of there. And I agree with you. The sticking point could be this autonomy to look after funding. Now, People saying, well, hang on a second, if it's the Rugby League Players Association and it's, it's their welfare programs, it's their injury hardship, that surely they should have control of the cash, if we put it that that generally. Yet the NRL would be very wary to hand over a big lump of money to effectively a, an outside organisation, knowing how perilous the, the state of the game's been over the last few years and what happens if we have another COVID and all of a sudden there's $200 million sitting over there being looked after by somebody else. Would that be one of the big sticking points around this point?
3: Yeah, no doubt, mate, absolutely. And I think to try and put it in context, I think those those programs that the RLPA is talking about probably roughly equates to about $90 million over the course of the next five years, give or take a little bit, obviously. Um, and the NRL, I think, is sort of saying, well, hey, you, you make a very salient point there, mate. Well, if we're going to hand over all this money to you. We want to have some sort of control about where you're going to divert it to and how, how are we to think that you're not going to turn around and put it into another pot or put it somewhere else. But the RLPA are very confident about what they want to do with that money, what the players believe, where it should go. So, that's a bit of a, I suppose, a, a real sticking point over the control of that money and about where it's going to go. And, and I suppose, Matt, you're probably right. We saw that situation with COVID three years ago when the game came to an abrupt halt. The whole world's pretty much shut down and the, and the game had nothing to fall back on. So the NRL is extremely cautious about what it does with its money. The RLPA is saying, well, listen, this is what the players want to do with it. This is what we think we should be doing and looking after our players once they finish finish their football career. So, yeah, I don't know where they're going to get to with that with that issue later today.
1: How ironclad do you reckon this deadline is? Obviously you've got to put a time limit on some certain things and there's a, there's a very good reason if you're on the RLPA looking out as to why you'd put that deadline because the pre-season challenge starts tonight. But if there's three major issues on the table, two of those are in RLW and the other one is the autonomy of funding, what if they get two out of three, Adam? Do you reckon they'd, they'd go okay or is it you've got to give us three out of three here or we start this action?
3: Well, I reckon we'll find out later tonight, Matt, because we've got the first <laughs> pre-season challenge game on tonight between the Tigers and the Warriors. So, um, I, listen, I think there'll be some potential flexibility in terms of that of that deadline, but there's no doubt the players are, are fed up and frustrated and they want some meaningful progress, in their eyes anyway, by the end of business today. So, uh, yeah, very interesting to see how that sort of plays out. But no doubt, that, that that's, as I mentioned, that first pre-season challenge match is, is planned for later, later tonight. So do we start seeing those demonstrations later tonight if they can't get any any progress, I dare say we probably will.
1: Okay, then on the threat side, refusal to participate, this is what they're threatening, refusal to participate in all external media, they've already done it with the NRL internal media, delay kickoff at trials, and then covering up the NRL logos. When you look at those and you break those down individually, some are just statements, and some are, I don't know, call it nuisance value. Is that going to be Mm. enough to send the NRL hierarchy, scampering around to try and get a deal done. Is there anything in particular in those list of threats that you think would bother them the most?
3: Oh, I'm not sure. Man. I suppose trying to you know, mess up the scheduling of the games and the potentially the broadcast schedule by delaying kickoffs and everything like that can could probably cause some sort of, I'd, I'd imagine, minor issue to the NRL. Like, will they be completely worried about players covering up the NRL logos on jerseys and stuff like that? Well, it's not going to be a great look, but I don't think the NRL will be petrified about it, put it in those terms. But I, mm. I suppose, and we consider this weekend, mate, we've got games at obviously big stadiums. We've also got games at country grounds. We've got the Bulldogs playing the Raiders down at Marooya, uh on the weekend. So can you imagine how much work's gone into that game from the local community in terms of licensing and security and everything like that? If we're if we're talking about shifting kickoff times and everything like that, it's going to have a big knock-on effect to a you know, a small town in a, and in, in a local community. So... There's plenty of, I suppose, consequences from some of the actions that they're, they're planning to take out over the next few days. Um, how scared the NRL will be for some of those actions? Or, I don't know, you probably have to ask Andrew Abdo and Peter Volandis to tell you the truth. mate. I, I can't mm-hmm. answer that for them right now at the moment, but it will definitely cause some mind disruption, I would have thought, to some of their plans over the course of the, the next week or two.
1: Yeah, and I'm a, I'm of the opinion, Adam, that once it starts to, say, bleed into your organisation's world, I mean, Nine have the free-to-air rights and Fox Sports mm. obviously have the subscription rights and that's where the bulk of the money comes from. Fox are doing all these mm. pre-season challenge games, but once you start to mess around with broadcasters' scheduling, you start to pick another fight, which they're, they'll be well and truly aware of, both sides. So that, to me, could be the real clashing of the heads. All this other stuff is statement-driven, um, and mm. I think if it gets to that level, that's when this really starts to escalate. And just on that, so do you see this as, as another form of escalation here? Is this thing going up in terms of drama or whatever we want to call it, instead of sort of reaching, reaching a climax? Or, or do you just see this as part of the negotiations that are going to continue for the next, well, three weeks now until the season starts?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably fair to say, Matt, It's definitely some sort of escalation on behalf of the players, and, and we ha- we've had all that drama with Tapegate last week, with the, the the apparent secret recording, which was trying to be done without the knowledge of the players, and was spotted by a player in that in that forum last Friday. So we know that I know I've heard you on your program many times about mentioning about the players not refusing to do NRL-aligned media or promotional events, and I don't think that has a major effect on, mm. on, any, or, on the NRL or on the players themselves. But I think this, we can say, is fair to say, it's definitely an escalation in terms of their tactics. I think these negotiations, that would still be going on for many, many weeks. And I would not be surprised if we actually kick off the regular season in round one without any still formal CBA being signed. And the fact that the RLPA and the NRL might still be at the negotiating table trying to thrash out a lot of things. I think there's no doubt they're close on a number of different issues, but some of the larger issues in terms to the men's game, in terms of the welfare and everything like that, i think they've got a long, long way to go. And there needs to be some serious concessions made. So anyway, we'll see how it plays out, but I wouldn't be holding your breath to get a, a complete resolution in the next few days.
1: Yeah, all right. We'll see what happens by the close of business today. Appreciate your time, mate. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Adam Penghillie from the Sydney Morning Herald there, uh, along with Michael Chambers and Adrian Presenko with that story. Uh, you can catch it in the papers online, obviously, uh, covering this this whole issue. And it is going to continue to go on and on. Uh, the Pearls on the text Sign says, I don't think any team will mind losing this weekend, but they will consider themselves winner-winner chicken dinner if they come through injury-free. As for great lefties, Martina Navratilova, Babe Ruth, AB, special mention to Paul McCartney. Yes, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Catter. <laughs> Thank you, Pearl. Thank you. Next time I... Well, yeah. Look at vision of Bob taking off the big hat. I'll see if it's the left hand or the right hand. Now, winner, winner, chicken dinner is what we're doing today, thanks to Char Grill Charlie's. What we're going to do after the break is play as somebody who really needs to be on the winner, winner, chicken dinner list because he's having a lean rot and a uh, lean trot rather, and it came to a head in the world of tennis. So we're looking for who you think needs to be the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, of the weekend, thanks to Char Grill Charlies. We reckon if Paddy Cummins wins the toss today, he'll already be the winner-winner chicken dinner of the weekend, perhaps. Uh, Does Latrell Mitchell and Jack Whiten need to do something special at the All-Stars just to get uh, people off their back, essentially, and fans back on board? Well, I want to tell you about Alexander Bublik. Now, you reckon you've had a bad day. How's this? The Russian-Kazakhstani tennis star, well, he's number 50 in the world. He's gone to Montpellier to defend his title that he won at the Open Sud de France. And then he got done in the first round, and done properly, like a winner-winner chicken dinner, but just done without the winner-winner part. He's 25 years of age, lost the first set 6-4. He won the second in a 14-12 tiebreak and saved three match points along the way. So should have been riding his luck. But then when it gets to the decider, he ended up in another tie break and served three double faults. He was 6-0 down. And this is when he decided to lose the plot completely. Not one, not two, but three rackets. Now, this is also accompanied by, I reckon, some of the great understated TV commentary you'll hear. Have a listen to Alexander Bublik's complete meltdown.
5: Five.
2: Well, The good news is he's got plenty of other rackets.
5: Well, oh, that's going to get the treatment as well. Three, four, okay. Well, this is getting out of hand now.
3: Well, I think that gives us a little I'm indication to... of where his mindset is it? at right now.
1: <laughs> um, a, it's getting out of hand now. That was racket number three when our commentator said that and gives us a little bit of an insight into his mind. <clears throat> He'd already lost it completely. 14 double faults along the way. That's his seventh straight loss. A run that's included a first round loss at the Australian Open. Two losses in the Davis Cup on the weekend. And he's got some form when it comes to melting down as well. So when you look for nominees, folks, of the winner, winner, chicken dinner of the weekend, I'm going to put Alexander right up the top. I don't know when he's playing next, but he needs to go somewhere and just win something. (laughs) Just win a match somewhere, somehow, something. Anything will do. 0457 736 736 is the text line. Yes, Pearl, I picked it up. You said it was a tongue-in-cheek poke at Bobcatter's political leanings. Yes, the old uh, lefty debate. Uh, this one from Simo from Balmain. It's a supreme irony that fans are calling players selfish when all they're driven by is having their fix of rugby league be available when they want it. I support the players completely. This is not lawn bowls. It's a contact sport. Where very few players retire and don't have some sort of ongoing issues, says Simo from Balmain. So that's the flip side to one of our previous texters who said, "Look, I, it doesn't have anything to do with me. Why should I be bothered about it?" And Simo say, "Well, it's being a lot of this hoo-ha is being driven. Sort of the outrage is being driven by those that just want to watch their matches when they want to get them and when they expect to get them. I, I'm interested in the delay." if they're going to delay kickoff, I mean, if a six o'clock kickoff tonight, Warriors v. West Tigers, what, do you, what is a delay that makes a difference, that makes a statement? Is it five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour? How do you broach that subject with your conditioning coaches, your coach itself? What do you do in that time? Do you not come out of the dressing room? And Adam Penghilly made a really good point. We've got matches being played around country areas. maruya has got a match on Sunday afternoon between the Raiders and the Bulldogs. You've got matches in Gosford. Um, St. Helens will be featuring against the Dragons in Wollongong and obviously Penrith as well and Sunshine Coast. So we've got matches everywhere. But you think of those like your Geelong, for instance, Storm v. Roosters. What, What are the people who turn up to see do in a delay? How much of a delay is a pain in the neck? Uh, Mark says, if there's some breaking news during the cricket about the CBA and the NRL trials, will SEN break away from the cricket and report it? We'll definitely have coverage there throughout the news, Mark, so we'll stay on top of that throughout the course of the afternoon. 2.30 this afternoon, folks. 2.30 Eastern Daylight Saving Time is the start of our coverage. Ball-by-ball coverage with the best team in the business from over there in Nagpur as it will get underway. So... Interested to see on a couple of fronts, who do they go for? Is Todd Murphy going to get that spot? And will Peter Hanscom come in for Matt Renshaw because of the worry about the pitch that's clearly trying to put the lefties in two minds? Glenn says, I reckon if the NRL and players can't get their act together, the fans should boycott live matches and not watch the games on Nine and Foxtel. Pretty sure the loss of the fans' money will help them come to an agreement. We can just listen to the games on SEN, says Glenn. Thank you for that, Glenn. We're back after this. Coming up in the next hour of the show, Glenn Jennings will join me, the manager of Tim Zoo. So we know that the next fight for Tim is locked in Sunday, March 12, at Kudos Bank Arena. So the New South Wales government winning that little battle against Victoria and Queensland to host the event. He hasn't fought since November 2021. Always a great chat with Glenn. So looking forward to that. Benny Graham's going to preview Super Bowl 57. So we'll catch up with Ben in Arizona. And our top tips today via Chris Nelson. Uh, Pretty big weekend of racing on the whole, in fact. And some big money on offer. There's a $2 million race at Ramwick. We'll get tips out of Ramwick and out of Doombin as well. A couple of texts before we head to the news. The tennis player Bublik needs to go into the dark room with Aaron Rodgers. Where he would stumble around in the dark with no rackets to be found. Just the serenity. And a chilled out Rodgers, says Steve from under the palm trees. Yes, that was off the back of Aaron Rodgers yesterday saying he's going to the darkness retreat, folks. To sort out his future. Four days of absolutely nothing. You and I, I reckon we could solve it in about 10 seconds. Show me the money. That's not how Aaron does it. All righty, we're getting ready for the news. Make sure you stick around. A busy second half of the program coming up. What a big Thursday it is in the world of sport. The first test getting underway today over in Nagpur, Australia v. India. A slice of history on the line. And, of course, the pre-season challenge getting underway as well. In the NRL, a lot for us to cover this morning as we welcome our listeners on SENQ 693 AM in Brizzy and to you on 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Welcome back to those on 1170 AM in Sydney. So you're joining us right across the network and across the app as well. 0457 736 736. Uh, You can have your say on a whole range of issues that we're discussing this morning. The NRL standoff, the clock is ticking. Because the demands are on the table and there's a Thursday close of business deadline. Otherwise, there's a list of threats that could come into play as early as tonight. What's on the table? Mostly around the financial conditions and other non-financial policies for the NRLW. They appear to be close to the mark, the RLPA and the NRL. But then there's another issue of the RLPA wanting... Autonomy to look after its own funding for the next five years when it comes to player welfare, injury hardship, those kind of things. If they don't get them this afternoon, they're saying, the RLPA, that they'll refuse to participate in all external media, delay kickoff at trials, and cover NRL logos at trials. So what do you think about that? What's going to bother you the most? Are you interested at all? Will it bother you if a match is five, ten minutes late? and you can't get it when you're normally going to get it on Foxtel. Let me know your thoughts around that. Plenty of people having their say about this pitch over there in Nagpur, and, well, the lefties just come into focus. It's that simple. Do what you want with the pitch. It happens all the time. Not to this extent, by the way, because India have worked out that, or perhaps they're running scared, that, holy cow, the Aussies here are on a roll, How do we stop them? Are they afraid of us? Well, let's do the most we can to try and make that side of the pitch look as nasty as it can. And it may have already had an impact in that if the Aussies go for Peter Hanscom over Matt Renshaw, then they're going for a right-hander over another left-hander in Renshaw. Is that a move just simply because the pitch looks dodgy down that left uh, hand line for those lefties David Warner, Usman Kawaja, Travis Head, Alex Carey, Todd Murphy, the new man who's likely to come in and spin bowls with his right hand, bats with his left, maybe he can do the old switcheroo when it comes to hitting, your thoughts on that 0457 736 736 and we're also looking for our winner winner chicken dinner of the weekend, so to our new listeners up in Queensland, thanks to Char Grill Charlie's who do you reckon Needs the biggest win this weekend. Let me know your thoughts around that. We've sort of narrowed it down a fair bit to Paddy Cummins. Not that he needs the biggest win, but if he gets the win of the toss in Nagpur, boy, will that make life a whole lot easier. You'd hope. Thanks to Grill Charlie, so be part of that one today. Australia's best char grilled chicken and chips. But let's go to the open line. Pedro, is on the line. What have you got for me this morning? Pedro, good morning to you.
6: G'day, Matt. Mate, I just want to have a quick word on um, Angus Crichton, and I appreciate the shout-out you gave him at the start of the show. Um, I just sent a couple of comments on social media, and it's concerning me that have we learnt nothing from Paul Green? You know, comments like, oh, what did he break a fingernail? We we need, I think we've got better. I, I really do. And I think it's a minority and hopefully it's getting less. But we really need to be careful not to joke about a topic. That's It's a, it's the a same as any, we need to look at it as same as any other injury. If he's not well, he's not well. Like just give the guy a break. And that's not because I'm a Roosters supporter. That's across the board. Like I'll, yeah. I'll go hard when it comes to, the, the rivalry between us and South on the, on the field. But if we're talking yeah. about a human being, let, let's be kind to each other because oh, the 100%. bottom line is. Well,
1: yeah. hundred well, percent, Pedro. Are, look, look, mate, we uh, uh, look, the, the thing is we, we don't know the details around all this, but, but Angus took time off from the preseason camp. He he missed that camp in Queenstown. He's rejoined his team teammates at training this week and look, the headline is around the fact that he's in doubt for round one, which which focuses on the player and the Roosters not having that kind of player in round one. But your thoughts are spot on, mate, completely spot on around this. And at the top of the show, I did say we just hope that everything's OK for Angus Crichton and that he takes time to deal with any of the issues in front of him and their personal issues. So we'll leave it at personal issues, but I'm hearing what you're saying, and I echo all of your thoughts, Pedro. Well said on all of those, mate. Hey, listen, appreciate your call. I've got to go because uh, Glenn Jennings is going to be standing by very soon. I've got a bit to do before we do that, but Pedro, spot on, and and let's stay out of the, let's stay out of the mire, folks, um, especially when it comes to social media. Thank you, Pedro. Good on you, mate. Thanks for listening in and picking up the phone. One three hundred oh one. 11.70 is the open line number. Mitch from Robertson says, "Maddie, every NRL game is delayed. They say it's an 8pm kickoff and it's always 10 minutes late, so no difference to me. Not a bad point. So what, d- does that make the threat any less? The threat of delaying the kickoff? Todd Murphy says, Mark is playing. They flew his parents to India. Has there ever been a case of parents getting flown to a country and then the player doesn't actually play? I'm sure there has mark but I'm also sure that no matter where the parents have been flown to India that is not the selection criteria but I think you're right on the first point that Todd Murphy is very very likely to play as I said the next fight for Tim Zoo is now locked in and it will be at Kudos Bank Arena so it's always a big one and this will be a huge one Sunday March the 12th against Tony Harrison Glenn Jennings Tim's manager is on the line. G'day Glenn
7: Good morning Matty
1: Good to catch up with you. So we've got the fight announced. Um, we know where it's going to be. The New South Wales government decided to take on a fight of their own and beat Victoria and Queensland to host this event. It must be relief for your camp to lock in this, given everything that's happened, Glenn, since Tim's last fight back in November 2021.
7: Yeah, it's been a bit of a testing time, Maddie, for sure, mate. Um, if you go back to the Gachet fight uh in Minnesota, we came home from that and Tim had some damage to both hands that required surgery. And so we got through that, um, started the process on the mandatory for Charlo and it literally dragged on and on as it tends to do with the Charlos. And we finally got it done, packed up our our camp and headed over for uh, 10 weeks in the United States. And about four weeks into the camp, Matty, in fact, on Christmas morning, I got the phone call Charlo had broken his hand, and then it was devastating.
1: So, what do you do for fifteen months when you, when you're somebody, and you and I have spoken? You've given us a great insight into Tim and his personality, yes. and and like a caged animal, right? He's a, he's a born fighter. So, so what do you do yes. for fifteen months? Obviously, you can spar, you can train, but you can't fight, which is what you, what you're destined to do, what
7: you're born to do, and what you want to do. Yes, look, it was a. I won't say it was a frustrating time for Tim. Uh, the the surgery slowed him down, and we and and it worked in our favour in some respects because he had a full opportunity to to recover and get that done, um, and that was on both hands. So uh, he came through that well, and and Tim was just you know chomping at the bit to get back into the gym, and so um, we had a couple of Nakita fights that kept us a little bit um, interested in what else was going on, and. Uh, We had a couple of trips overseas to see a few fights. But, uh, yeah, it was a a long haul. For someone like Tim, who's a fighter uh, first and foremost, it was tough for him to to stay out of the way.
1: Tell us about Tony Harrison, what you know about him, what you think about him, and um, what he had to say via Zoom on the press conference yesterday. He said Tim hasn't fought anybody or accomplished anything. They just put the money up. But he did say he's a tough fighter. So how do you view this opponent?
7: Oh look Tony Harrison's very well known for his ability to to uh put his thoughts across verbally. He's a great talker, he's a great seller and and uh, we're happy for him to continue on that path. Um the zoo the zoo boxing legacy is uh is much more reserved and we tend to take care of the business in the ring. Um and as you know Tony is a former WBC champion. He is the only guy to have beaten uh Jamel Charlo. Mm. And so um, when you're fighting at this highest level, the, the 1% fights, um, this is uh, the ultimate test for Tim. Um, he's got to get past Tony now to retain the mandatory for Charlo. So it's it's all in for us, and uh, that's how it should be at this level. It's no point having the having a mandatory against the number one in the world who holds all the belts. That's the, that's the absolute gold standard. It's no good having that organised. And, and sadly postpone and going back to fighting someone on a domestic level. You can't do that. So you've got to pick the next next best in line, and that's Tony Harrison. And we expect that he's going to come in incredible shape. He's fully motivated. Um, him and Tim are both chasing the same guy, Charlo. So it'll be fireworks. Um, this will be the one that the Australian public will get to see uh, the real Tim Zoo and where he's
4: up to. <laughs>
1: So it's the interim WBO super welterweight title. So you've got 31 days in between now, Glenn, and Sunday, March the 12th. So what's your timeline? I love the insights that you give us into the camp and how it plays out for the next month. What's the main focus here? Because fitness won't be a problem.
7: No, certainly not. Mate, what we've done is we we all came uh, back into Australia on the weekend. Um, We brought with us uh, Justin and Jason Bell, who are two uh, big boppers uh, from from up that way, Baltimore, Maryland. They've been sparring with us in our camp in America. Um, Jason is a uh, six-foot, and uh, they're twins. They're identical twins, and
4: right.
7: uh, they've been giving Tim terrific work. Big big boys like Charlo pushing Tim around. So the sparring will stay at that high level right through until the end of February. Um, then we've got uh, two weeks, 12 days until the fight and in that time, of course, a fight on this level, we have a, a balancing act of trying to fit our media schedule. We have a promotional tour. Um, we've got to keep Tim training. We've got to keep Tim uh, um, constantly with his nutritionists, constantly with his physio. It's a very, very tight schedule. And in amongst all that, we've got a media manager from our promoters trying to get us to do A, B, C, and D. So there is no rest now. The next month is... A critical time, but the priority will always be for me on, on Tim and uh, and Tim's training and Tim's preparation, and the rest, it's just up to me to fill in like a big jigsaw puzzle.
1: <laughs> well, I love the fact you always take time to pick up the phone to us, mate, and we appreciate it. So just on the twins, does he know who he's fighting when he, when he gets into spa with him, or does it not really matter <laughs> if they're both big boppers?
7: <laughs> it doesn't matter, mate. Um, if you if you get a chance, jump on my Team Zoo 2 Facebook page, you'll see them. They're big okay. boys. Uh, they look like Charlo. Um, they're very gifted fighters uh, and they they come here specifically to give Tim the work. It's all about Tim, getting Tim ready, and they're terrific young men, and I, I've got great raps on them. So we were happy Jesus. to pay for them to come out and they're staying at the Brighton the Sands, mate. They think they're the kings at the moment down the beach. <laughs> i'm
1: just thinking if you put both of them in the ring at the same time you'd you'd scare the lights out of tim because he'd think he'd been hit and got double vision but you could you could play all sorts of games with with boxing twins good on you glenn great to catch up mate we'll continue to tap in and see how that preparation's going but it's great news and good to talk to you
7: yeah good Matty. thanks mate anytime always happy to have a chat
1: Good man. Sunday, March 12th. So, Kudos Bank Arena. There's expected to be 20,000-odd fans. It'll be broadcast live to the U.S. And, of course, uh, Tony Harrison will be a formidable opponent. Like Glenn said, both of them are going after the same man in the end, which is Jamel Charlo, who ended up pulling out of that fight because of the broken hand. Um, Great insights for those regular listeners who have heard Glenn Jennings on this program before. Um, he's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. Tells it like it is and gives us little pieces and nuggets uh, like that. I'll be jumping on that Facebook page as well and check out the twins. 0457 736 736 is the open line number. Matty, love the show. Uh, can we get some more motorsport talk on for us, a few dinosaur petrol heads? What a scary thought on the RLPA wanting to administer the proposed $90 million purse. Am I the only one thinking that this will be? Well used <laughs> i won 't use your words, Kingswood Welder, by the union, um look, yeah, and just on that, I need to clarify, and Adam Pengilly did clarify that number that that 's what the number is, um you know, I said almost ingest two hundred million, but it's around that ninety million dollars, and when it comes to motorsport talk for sure, mate, um seasons start to fire up, um uh, both well, all motorsport seasons will be firing up, the next gen cars are being uh, paraded on show for supercars. Spoke about that the other day. Speed Series, which I'll be involved again in this year, um, will be getting underway at the back end of this month in Tasmania. So we'll have plenty to talk about. And then there's Formula One. Then there's Formula One. Oscar Piastri will be one of the key focuses. I'm wondering, just on that, and wondering out loud, how much of a backseat can Daniel Ricciardo take as a reserve-slash-test-driver driver for Red Bull, even when he's trying to take that back seat at the announcement the other day in the season launch, which we played you, there was a bit of a stuff up with his name, and there he is front and centre again. <laughs> the guy's trying to step away from all that kind of stuff. He's on Stephen Colbert, cracking gags about how good-looking he is, and that's why it's making such an impact in the US. It, you got to have him there. But how much is he going to be front and centre? Well, look, when it all starts and gets on track, and gets closer and closer, Kingswood, we'll be there. Um, And my Monday Motorsport Wrap obviously will be returning once we get into that. Uh, Would be interesting to hear from the Twins, says Shane. Yes. Tommy, put that in your little black book. We'll see if we can get the Twin Brothers and uh, see what they get up to when they're out there fighting or sparring with uh, Tim Zhu. Trials don't bother me one bit. I don't have Fox or KO, so the season proper is what counts. Thank you for that. Um, isn't the left-hand side of the pitch from one end then the right-hand side of the pitch from the other? (laughs) Okay, do you see what I did there? I left that in your headspace to try and frame that own image for yourself. Basically, Piercy, the left-hand side of the pitch for the left-hand batters at both ends of the pitch is what they've been playing up with. And you'll see it this afternoon and hear all about it this afternoon, but I get what you're saying. What does that mean for the right-handers? Step on up, folks. What does it mean if that left-hand side of the pitch does cause havoc for Warner and Kawaja? and then all of a sudden Marnus and Stephen Smith find themselves in the batting brothers, who are both right-handers, and away they go? That's what the Australians will be hoping, and very interesting, too, that the Aussies haven't been buying into this. They know that the mind games, they know it's tough enough to play and win, try to win in India on the mental side of things. Mark Taylor's spoken about that today. We spoke to Ian Smith about that yesterday. So the mental side of playing over there in India and coping with everything that goes on with an Indian tour is hard enough. So why buy in to an argument that's going to make it even harder when you're thinking about the pitch and let them know that you've got into your head or they've got into your head about that? Let me know your thoughts. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy one 1170 is the open line number. It's 21 after 10 for our Sydney listeners, 21 past nine for those tuning in via our Queensland stations. Welcome to you once again to the morning show. Have you got a winner-winner chicken dinner of the weekend for us? Uh, thanks to Char Grilled Charlie's, Australia's best char grilled chicken and chips. Who needs to be the winner-winner chicken dinner of the weekend? Let me know your thoughts around that one. But, gee, uh, as this time bomb and it's only it's only little at the moment it's more like an alarm clock i reckon it's it's not a ticking time bomb hand grenade style but it's just an alarm clock but time's ticking on the nrl what the rlpa has put on the table has certainly got you talking um and what possible action could start from as early as this evening so a couple of those before we get to the next news break with Vanessa. Maddie, all the people bagging the players, maybe starting games late and not caring about the fans. The NRL don't care about the fans. That's why they start State of Origin so late on the Wednesday night after 8 o'clock. Younger fans and the elderly miss it. All they care about is the money, says McHugh. Uh, yeah, I mean, angry about it, McHugh. I get it, but... You know, that, <laughs> to say that they're just starting it over there because they don't care about that is, is not right, in my opinion. Well, it's just not right. I mean, they obviously factor everything in. Um, are they getting it right all the time? <clears throat> no way. Uh, and certainly starting State of Origin, in particular, early would help. Where do the clubs stand on this issue with the NRL and the players? Are they with the NRL? Are they with the players? Or are they sitting on the fence? It's a really good question, Steve. Uh, it's a good question. We posed that to uh, some of the coaches that we've been speaking about because they're kind of caught in the middle. <clears throat> they represent their club. They're the head coach of their club. They're obviously the face of their club and a direct link in many ways to the game itself and the NRL. Yet their first priority will be the protection and um, the welfare, essentially, of their players, and to make sure that they're in the right headspace and in the right physical space to play, and they want them to play. They don't want them sitting on the sidelines. So it's a really good question. the The clubs, I guess, have to be. Oh, I, I mean, are they are they passengers in this? No, they're they're not passive passengers, but perhaps they're a little bit passive voices. Very good question, though. Anyone's got an answer, let me know. Uh, when Marnus and Smith get 200 each and Hanskin puts on 100, the pitch doesn't matter. L-O-L. Yes, certainly. We won't be talking about the pitch on day two of Australia bat today and they lock out a whole heap of runs. And, and it come, well, it doesn't matter if it comes from right-handers or left-handers, but it's a left-right debate at the moment. Good morning, Matty. This is from Matt from Park Ridge. I'm backing all measures that the players of the NRL are taking. They deserve everything they're demanding. At the moment, it doesn't seem fair, especially for the NRLW. It'd be a breakthrough no matter what. But today would be a breakthrough on both sides and a much welcome breakthrough, I reckon, if they can get the NRLW side of this deal at least going as of this afternoon. Maybe that's the breakthrough. The The other part on the autonomy of the funding for the RLPA, that could be, and I agree with Adam Pengili on this, that's going to be a sticking point. We'll discuss more of that after the news. Let's talk racing with our SEN track analyst, Chris Nelson, who's on the line. G'day, Chris. A a very big weekend of racing ahead, and, gee, there's some money at stake, uh, especially at Randwick on Saturday.
8: There certainly is, Matty. It's, uh, it's a massive weekend of racing. Uh, what are we in summer? It's sort of late summer, but it really feels like autumn. With, uh, with the $2 million English Millennium at Randwick on Saturday, we've got the group to Apollo. We've got the group to Light Fingers. We've got the group through Triske. And uh, down further south, we've got a big meeting at Sandown as well, Ladbro- Ladbrokes Park Hillside Sandown. We've got the two Blue Diamond Preludes the Group 1 CF4 and the Group 2 Rubiton Stakes. So Group 1 racing returns uh, to Australia on Saturday. Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, nice. All right, well, let's focus at Randwick and Doomben today. So you've got a winner for us in the first at Randwick. I like when you come out swinging.
8: Well, we've got to get the money early, and I think we can. Now, this will be a match between these very, very smart two-year-olds in number one, King's Gambit, and number two, Don Corleone. Now, they've both come out of the, uh, the Peter and Paul Snowden stable. J-Mac jumps on to Don Corleone. Kings Gambit was beaten first up in the Group 3 Cannonbury. He'll surely take a good improvement off that. But, gee, I couldn't have been any more impressed than I was with uh, Don Corleone. He just, he just sat wide all the way in that race, three and four deep the entire trip. Now, he was entitled to, to basically turn it up and fold down the straight, but he didn't. He was very, very strong to the line, and he came away uh, to score by almost a length on that occasion. He ran very good time. Such strong time for two-year-old uh, grade that I think he can win again. And he uh, he's on, on the track, as many of these are, towards the Golden Slipper. And he's right up there in the markets at the moment. And I think he can make it two from two on Saturday. So race one, number two, Don Corleone kicks off a, a winning day, hopefully.
1: Number two in the first. Okay, let's go further down the track. Uh, we'll go to race seven here. So the light fingers stakes this one, a, a big one as well.
8: It is a big one, and we get to see the return of uh, the very, very smart in secret. Uh, number one from the James Cummings Stables, of course, won the, uh, the Coolmore Stud down the uh, Strait of Flemington during the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Uh, Fireburn returns. The one I want everyone to keep their eye on here is right down near the bottom. Number 11, Sunshine in Paris. Annabelle Neesham trains. Ryan Maloney will ride. Uh, last start was a winner at Randwick. That was back on Christmas Eve. Sat wide all the way out the back of the field and just put them away in the straight. She really showed a good turn of foot there. Look, uh, at this stage, she's not up to the level of some of these others, but they've been around in stronger races. She hasn't had the opportunity. And anyone that saw her recent trial would suggest that she's uh, going very, very well. So a bet to nothing. If she runs a place, and I'm pretty sure she will, uh, you'll get your money back. And if she happens to win, well, you'll finish in front. So let's go with her each way. Race 7, number 11, Sunshine in Paris.
1: Okay, so before that is the Millennium, the $2 million race. After that will be the Apollo Stakes Race 8. Race 9 is the Triske as you mentioned. So you've also got a winner for us in the last. You're bookending the day, Chris, at
8: Randwick. I am. I am. Number four in the last, and that's Waterford for Chris Waller and uh, J-Mac. Very promising horse. Six starts for four wins and the one placing. Won three of four last campaign. Only a defeat or unplaced effort came in the, uh, the Silver Eagle where he just got way too far back in the field. The effort was still a good one. Now, his trial again, his trial was very good recently. He just sat sort of around midfield, just gave a little bit of a nudge, uh, last 200 metres, picked up and ran on really, really well. Now, he gets back in his races. Ramwick's a good track for him. There's plenty of time to run on and make ground. I think he can win the last. So, you're right. Fingers crossed we can bookend it. Uh, Waterford in the last, number four.
1: Then to Doomban we go. So uh, let's start race number two here
8: at doombin Race number two at Doomban here. Just one uh, at a bit of value. Number 12, Aqua Alta. Uh, trained at Toowoomba. Sandy Collett will take the ride. Now, only a that's had uh, nine starts, three wins and three placings. Last start third at Doomban uh, was only beaten 1.8 lengths officially, but didn't get a lot of room in the straight. Finished off well when she did get clear. That was her first run out to a trip. She'll be a lot better for it. And the horse that uh, ran second on that occasion, uh, Ashgrove, they meet again here. Big, big weight difference. Ashgrove will carry 59. Aqua Alta will carry 52.5. So nice little lightweight there. Ashgrove, the favourite. I'm going to go with Aqua Alta each way to knock over Ashgrove. So race two, number 12, Aqua Alta.
1: Yeah, that one over 2,000 metres. So back to the mile for the next then for race three.
8: Very, very keen here, Matty. Super keen. Number three, Merry Me, Chris Waller and Jimmy Orman combined. Two runs back for this mare. Fifth at Eagle Farm first up. Didn't get the clearest of runs in the straight, but still managed to run on well. And then third at Doomban last time behind Miss Baltimore. Very, very strong to the line at 13.50. Up to 1,600 metres on Saturdays. Perfect. There's a lot of pace in this race, so I expect quite a few of them to go forward. That's going to suit uh, Mary-Me as well. So she'll sit back around midfield and look for her to run right over the top of them in the straight, and she's not a bad price either. Race three, number three, Mary-Me. Yeah, good.
1: All right, I've highlighted that one, mate. I underlined good. most of them, but I've highlighted and underlined that one. So your last your last pick at Doomban Forest, uh, race eight, so second last race on the card.
8: Yeah, race eight, number nine, the big goodbye. Robbie Heathcote and a very much informed Ange Jones will take two off. So the end of 52 kilos, the big goodbye. Now, he's up in grey, but he's the horse that carries still. So he's carried 58.5, 56.5, 57.5 his last three runs. So he gets in very nicely here. It's not an overly strong race, and there's not a lot of tempo or speed up front. So he's going to probably pair out with his stable mate, Sir Rocket. He's a better horse than Sir Rocket. So going for home, round the home turn, Ans Jones, I think they'll be hard-pressed to run him down. I think he'll win. Race 8, number 9, the big goodbye.
1: Good on you, Chris. Uh, have a great weekend of punting, mate. We'll speak again next week.
8: Look forward to it. Thanks, Matty.
1: Still to come this morning, we'll take you across to Arizona. Ben Graham, uh, part of the SEN team, of course, headed up by Jared Waitley, Larry Fitzgerald Sr., all there to cover Super Bowl 57. So Benny Graham will give us the rundown of what's been happening, what's the build-up like in Arizona that's coming up a little bit later on this morning a few more text messages this as we head towards the start of the first test so gee there's a lot around the NRL situation and there's a fair bit to play out on that probably by this afternoon well something either happens or it doesn't and if it doesn't something else will happen off the back of it according to the Rugby League Players Association Matty uh, this on the cricket issue India are doctoring the pitch targeting the world number four in Head, number eight in Usman, and number 14 in Warner. So they are not targeting number one in Manus and number two in Steve Smith. Could be worse, they could have sandpaper in their pockets, right? Bit rich, the moral high ground here. Home Nation always prepares a pitch that favours them play on. Um, Thank you for that. On the Nagpur pitch from the Jawa, the Aussie pitchers, the fact India feel they have to selectively mow and water a pitch to doctor it, just shows fear. So there's a different take on it. Um, are they running? Are they running scared? Matty, that pitch wouldn't have worried the West Indies of the 80s. Play ball. <laughs> Did anything worry the West Indies of the 80s? <laughs> it worried those that had to face them on any pitch. There's preparing a pitch, and there's also doctoring a pitch. They've just gone a little too overboard, in my book, from the mystery man. It's interesting this one. Interesting, and that's probably mystery man. The general feel here is um, get on, and play with it, and both sides have to play on it. Obviously, with more left-handers in the Australian lineup versus the Indian lineup, it's pretty obvious what's what's at play here. But just get on with it. And again, I'll reiterate the point. The Australian players aren't complaining about this, not publicly, anyway. So this is, you know, those that are that are over there that are reporting on it, that have noticed it. Obviously, there was the photo, that that great photo that I saw of Patty Cummins looking under the covers and having a look at it. I mean, all this happens regardless. And pitches, uh, especially when you're touring, are never going to be to your liking. Very rarely, anyway. Isn't that the point of home ground advantage? Darren at Concord says, Matt, they should just get on with it. If they win... Afterwards, and after the Indians have doctored the pitch, then the victory will be even sweeter. Yes, yes. Uh, We'll stop talking. Well, will we? I was about to say we'll stop talking about it once the game starts. But if it's jumping out of the rough at the (laughs) left-handers and Warner goes and Kawaja goes and all the lefties uh, have single figures, or even worse, no figures, then we might be in trouble in terms of a discussion. Uh, And I'm going to leave that one for this afternoon. Uh, By the way, the run home. So Joel and Fletch with a special edition of the run home today. So when I finish uh, in an hour and 15 minutes time or thereabouts, Joel and Fletch taking over. Jimmy's got the day off. And you'll get a shortened edition of the run home, which will take us up to the start of the SEN ball-by-ball coverage. Matty John's joining the boys as well. All righty. 2 a.m., Tommy. Dig into those pockets, throw some coins on the table, let's see what you want to buy into today. Good morning to you.
5: Morning, Matty. Morning, listeners. Great to be here again.
1: So, what's caught your eye this morning? Is it the NRL Stash? Is it the pitch over there in Nagpur? Is it anything else? So, you're fired up for the preseason challenge?
5: challenge. Uh, yes and no. I mean, <laughs> a great first game to showcase the preseason. challenge, the New Zealand Warriors and West Tigers. Um, no, I am excited because I'm excited, uh, you know, Bias, but I'm excited to watch the Roosters play this Sunday they've built a they've filtered a very competitive team the only players that aren't there are of course Angus Croydon which we've mentioned now Butcher, James Tedesco, Jade Rory Hargreaves and Joey Manu apart from that it's a very very strong side so I can't wait to see the boys in the first hit out 2022 but no it is a great chance for the young players it's a great chance for the guys that are on the cusp there of reserve grade and the NRL and I think it's it's great that Fox and Ko. are um, a broadcast in it as well. I think it's awesome. The more footy we get, then the better. But there is that overarching and that lingering um, issue that is the ongoing CBA negotiations. And I gotta agree with you that the stuff that the some of the players have put out there in terms of what they're going to do, like delay the start time of the trials, cover the NRL logos, again, it's it's wishy washy for me. What what's that going to do? Are you, is it re- like Peter Villani's Andrew, Andrew Abdo will say, okay, it's a trial game? Like, in their, in their mind, you're covering the NRL lo- logo. Yeah, we're putting up 100K for the pre-season challenge, but I don't think in their mind they really care if they do that or not. Um, it's, so, yeah. it's
1: statement stuff to me. It's, I mean, they're, Yeah, exactly. And they're, try, they're, they're walking a very fine line here, and Webby touched on this yesterday. Uh, they are walking a very fine line, as you've, as you've garnered by the amount of text messages and the thoughts around that. Some people don't care. Some people care a lot. Some people think the players are greedy. Some people are well and truly on the player's side. So it's a really fine line. And if you do come out, and look, I've been very vocal in the fact that I don't want to see a strike, but that's the big hit that they've got. Are they saving that big hit? Well, we're going to wait and see. But if you come out really strongly and start really peeing off the spectators in particular, the paying spectators in particular, and the broadcasters especially, then it takes it to... A different level. So the Storm had the Roosters, your mob, on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So it's scheduled for a one fifty p.m. start in Geelong yes. on Sunday afternoon. Now, if there are no further agreements made today and that Thursday deadline passes and the list of threats kicks in, if there's no interview with a Roosters player in between now and then, if the match kicks off at 2pm instead of 1.50pm and there are no NRL logos on their jerseys, is that going to bother you or stop you from watching it?
5: No, it won't bother me or stop me. No, I understand where the players are coming from. But Matty, I think one other thing... So you've spoken about, especially from your TV perspective and your TV experience, um, so you've mentioned it, it all, it's all on Fox, it's all on So it doesn't really interrupt their schedule. But one key important factor is Saturday... At 3.45 Australian Eastern Daylight, Daylight Time is the All-Stars match, 3.45. So that's been showed, shown on Fox and also Channel 9. Yes. So if they delay it for a bit on Channel 9, and that could linger into their news, we've spoken about how important the 6 o'clock news is for stations like, or channels like Channel 9 and Channel 7. I know it's a Saturday, so it's not as big as, say, as what a Sunday. start, Tommy? 3.45. Why? I don't know. I don't know why. So it's 5.45 in New Zealand. 3.45 for us. Would it, normally, would it us. normally
1: not start if it's going into the 6 o'clock news, it would normally start at 4 o'clock, wouldn't it? Yes,
5: yes. But I don't know. Say, say they delay it for 15, 20. I know. If they delay it for 4 o'clock, yes, it wouldn't matter. But that's something you've got to take into account. Again, I don't think delaying the start time or covering the logos or doing any of that stuff really sends a message. But if they put a bee in the bonnet of Fox and Channel 9, and then Channel 9 have a word to Peter Volandis and Andrew Abdo, then the NRL would start to care because that's who they're getting a lot of their money from.
1: Well, that, yeah, and, and look, I, I 100% agree with you, and and, and that's what I've said um, time and time again here as well, because that that's a different fight. That's a completely different fight. Then you're starting to mess around with the people who are putting the most money into the bucket that you get paid from, mm-hmm. and I totally agree with that. And believe me, scheduling in the TV world is not easy. So they will not take kindly to a scheduling mishap. And that's why I'm thinking, like, why on earth would you schedule a 3.45 start when normally you'd put it at 4 o'clock? If it's going to run into your news, surely they've been given some sort of heads up. They've built in some sort of time uh, factor around it because this will be a major discussion. You can't just go into a Saturday afternoon, if you're Channel 9, and barrel on into a broadcast of a TV, uh, a TV broadcast of a footy match hoping that they start and finish within the time frame that you've allowed to get yourself to news. They don't operate in hope. There's too much money on the table there. They operate in cold, hard figures that operate around a clock and advertising dollars and how much they're paying for the product that they're meant to get. That's why there's a massive train wreck coming if they pick a fight the wrong way. The wrong way, that is, with the broadcasters. Uh, Now, Jack Robinson's just paddled out in the final of the Pipe Masters um, so we'll keep our eyes on that. We had a chat with Jack uh, just last week, I think it was, so we'll keep our eyes on that as uh, he goes out in the final. Wow, fantastic stuff. Um, nice work, Tommy. There's a fair bit for us to get through. You've got the Tribune as well today. Yes,
5: Tommy's Tribune is back, so we got Port Macquarie Pearl texting yesterday saying, uh, listening yes. in, When's where's the Tribune happening? Well, Tribune is happening yes. today because we don't have a show tomorrow, given that it's Morning Glory with Matty Johns' first show back for 2023. So headlines for... The first test between Australia and India. What what are you predicting there? But also, let's get some funny headlines around the pitch. The pitch the doctoring. We have to get some headlines for the pitch, and also some headlines for the preseason challenge. So the blockbuster tonight between the Tigers and the Warriors. The All Stars match coming up on Saturday afternoon. H- predict how your team is going to go for the first week of the preseason challenge. Best one gets a Signet Boost power bank.
1: And Carissa Moore defeated Tyler Wright in the final. The women's over there at the Pipeline Masters. So Jack Robinson in the final against Leo Fioravente uh, Verenti of Italy. So we'll keep our eyes on uh, that one. And we've got a disclaimer now, don't we? Courtesy of one of our listeners from yesterday. When you're doing Tommy's Tribune, headline responsibly. Uh, ben Graham still to come in our next hour, our final hour of the program. So a preview of what's going on at the moment ahead of Super Bowl 57 Monday morning our time. A couple of our listeners jumped on it straight away in terms of the early start time because of the cultural dances beforehand and the haka et cetera. So, good one. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Tony. Thank you to all of those who jumped on that one. So, the earlier start time for that match. See, I tried to put two and two together and come up with three, um, but you put me straight back on our, uh, on our routine. So, that answers that question. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, A lot for us to talk about, including a good call too. Basically from Bulldog Bob, if Paddy Cummins does win the toss today, if he's the winner, winner, chicken dinner, do you bat or do you bowl? Especially knowing what we now know, (laughs) what we now know about the pitch. I'll throw that one out to you. We're back after this. Yeah, so we're just four hours away now until the first ball will be bowled. Uh, In fact, just under four hours away now. So our coverage starts at 2.30 Eastern Daylight Saving Time. So I've asked one for our Queensland listeners and then half an hour later, the first ball scheduled to be bowled in Nagpur. And what a build-up. What a build-up. There's always something to talk about. And thank you to the curator over there at Nagpur for keeping this one interesting. Uh, Just back to that question that Bulldog Bob posed. So let me throw this to you. If Cummins wins the toss today, does he bat to avoid the pitch deteriorating even further before Australia bats second but force India to bat last? Or does he send India in and hope to get him out for a low score? Decisions like this is why he gets the big bucks. It's the ultimate dilemma, isn't it? I mean, what do you do? So Mitch from Robertson says, well, he's got three answers. Bat, bat, and bat. Is that even a question? (laughs) He said, I mean, you look around our batting stocks, you look around our bowling stocks. Sure, there's no Mitchell Stark there, no Josh Hazelwood, and no Cameron Green, um, but it's still a fair old lineup and a fair old lineup that knows how to win test matches. Todd Murphy appears to be the man who's going to be called in, so they'll go the double spin attack. Um, Paddy Cummins will always be anchoring away. So you've got. Options on both sides, without a doubt. So, what do you want to do? Do you want to bat first, or do you want to bowl first? If you're Paddy Cummins and he's the winner, winner, chicken dinner, thanks to Char Grill, Charlie's, and wins the toss. James from Hornsby, let's go to the open line one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Good morning to you, James. What do you think about this pitch? you
9: think about um well in to the pitch, you know, the curator, the curator makes the um, pitch and uh, prepares the pitch. Now he can prepare, about a Corrugated iron wicket. Who cares if it's up and down all over the place, green, brown, purple, or whatever? As long as it's the same at one end to the other end and in the middle, and both sides are the same. If it's even right across, consistent right across, both teams play on it. But when they start doing left sides different from the right side, that's when it's basically straight out. You've got to say it's a bloody cheat.
6: You know, they're
9: just doctoring it straight out. I mean, if they're doing one section to the other, the other thing, though, all right, now I'm going to sit back on the fence a bit. Yeah. We're talking about from pictures. We haven't actually seen it exactly, yes. you know, what it's actually like. So you've got to say, well, mm, is it that? But the pictures, I mean, you can see them stand out, you know, like they're the proverbial dogs mm. standing out, you know, one's different. So, I mean, but if you win the toss, you bat. Just bat on it and stuff the Indians up. Kawaja and Warner can take their time and then Smith and Marnus get in and let him smack the hell out of it and Head comes in for a quick 50 or 80 and you end up with 500 and say, oh yeah, guys, you wanted the pitch like that. You've got it. There, we're going for you.
1: Imagine James being the curator and, and and let's you know, let's just have a bit of fun with this, but imagine being the curator and he's tasked with that job, right? That's, that's what they've asked him to do. So he goes ahead and does it. And imagine... You get on out there and it is as bad as what everyone's saying. And then all of a sudden, Usman and Davey Warner, like you say, two left-handers go out and score a bucket load of runs. And then by the time they get out, the other side of the pitch is playing nicely because it hasn't been it hasn't been watered heavily and, and had all that focus on it. And both Marnus and Steve Smith cash in. If you're the curator, do you just pack up and go home?
9: No, you'd pack up and go straight to the Australian Embassy and ask for a visa.
1: (laughs) Good on you, James. Thank you, mate. Appreciate your call on that one. Have a good day. Thanks for listening in. Matty, 100% bat first. You don't want to be batting last in the subcontinent. Yeah, no doubt about it. From Andrew. Matty, I've got no dramas with preparing pitches to suit home teams, but this is different. Deliberately preparing a wicket with a rough patch for left-handers is cheating. This one from Andrew. The phrase, both teams you have to play on it, is total BS. If both teams had an equal amount of left-hand batters, then so be it. But they know have they have uh, no left-hand batters in their top six. We have four. Argument over, the match umpire should have stepped in. Well, let's let's think about it throughout the course of the game and how the umpires will say to fast bowlers at one end, stay off the pitch because you're scuffing it up to scuff it up for Lino or, I mean, you know, back in the day, Shane Warne to hit that spot. And it's it's constant. So you're right there, the umpires, well, the on-field umpires will step in there. But you're saying the match umpire should have stepped in on this one. I, in terms of how many left-handers you've got in your team versus their team, I mean, you make team selections based around a whole heap of factors, you base them around the state of the pitch. Um, you base them around form. You base them around the opposition. So I think if you, you just go down the argument of, well, we've got more left-handers, therefore it's detrimental to us, that is the outcome of it, yeah. But is that their problem or our problem? I think that the problem here is if it's clear doctoring of one side of the pitch, it's, it's over the mark. And if it is, you're right, Andrew. The match umpire should have stepped in, and maybe will still, maybe give him a little rap on the knuckles. Gee, it's added some spice, hasn't it? It's certainly uh, got us thinking about this one. Dasher from Matraville uh, earlier this morning texted in: bowlers are left out of sides all the time, depending on whether the pitch is expected to bounce, swing, uh, spin, or swing, etc. Yes, like I say, all, ty- all types of conditions come into play when you're picking a team, and that's just one of them. Matty, to answer your question, yes, India have the right to prepare the pitch however they like. It's their pitch. That's why winning in India is so tough and such a great achievement when it happens. I thought the Aussie way was to get on with it, no matter what, and take whatever the opposition can throw at us. And again, Kev, I'll I'll say this, because I've said it throughout the course of this show. It's a discussion point, no doubt about it, because it is what it is. The pitch at the moment, as far as we know, is what it is. Pat Cummins didn't buy into this. So the Aussie way of getting on with it, well, the Aussie team's getting on with it. He's, in his press conference, urged the side to embrace the chaos, which is a really good. And and by that, he's talking about the chaos of India. He spoke yesterday with our commentator, Barat Sundarayson, on the pitch itself. So let's have a, a quick listen to the thoughts of Paddy Cummins on the pitch.
4: Got to be up for it. The conditions are going to be different to what you get at home. Um you've got to just embrace every part of it. I think all those different challenges are what make it really tough, you know. It's not just the wicket. So, um, yeah, there's not going to be any surprise for this group. We've all played here before a lot. Um, Most of the groups played test cricket in these kind of conditions where they're going to spin. So um, we're ready for it. Can't wait. He's
1: a smart man. He's a smart man. Why fuel that fire when there's so much fire burning when you're trying to win a series in India just by nature of where you are and, and you know, how cricket mad, especially the Indian supporters, will be. Smart man, Paddy Cummins. All righty, as we know, Super Bowl 57, you'll be hearing every single bit of it right here on SEN. Ben Grahams in Arizona, and whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. Our Super Bowl coverage, thanks to Neds Gamble responsibly, call 1-800-858-858. Benny, good morning to you. What's happening in Arizona today?
4: Oh, greetings, Matty. Yes, I'm in the desert in Phoenix. It's come full circle, really. It's just great to be back in Phoenix. First time back since I played for the Cardinals, and of course, uh, reliving all the Super Bowl memories from 14 years ago. But it's the momentum's certainly starting to build. The anticipation today, Been on Radio Row most of the day with Jared Waitley, and it's been. Look, it's a fantastic city. The weather is amazing. We've got two great teams that are facing off against each other. History's being made with two African-American quarterbacks playing in a Super Bowl for the first time. They are the two best teams. And we've got a couple of Aussies, Jordan Malata on the offensive line and Aaron Sipos. Well, he hasn't been given a nod yet, but hopefully later this week we'll find out that we'll have two Aussies, which will make it four in our little club with Mitch Wisnowski and now Jordan and potentially Aaron. So, no, so much to look forward to. And being on the ground here, though, it's just uh, it's the place to be, (laughs) Matty.
1: It sounds like it, mate. And this is the interesting (laughs) thing when we talk to you about it, because now, and, and, you know, for a while now, you've experienced it from, from both ends. You've experienced from inside, and you're now experiencing it from outside looking in. Is there a word or a feeling or a thought that captures to you What's Super Bowl week leading into the game itself? Park what's going to happen in Super Bowl 57. Is there a, an overriding feel that you get leading into this big one?
4: Yeah, absolutely there is. And it's to understand the magnitude of what you're about to embark on. So it's to enjoy every single moment, every meal that you have with your teammates, every moment you spend with your family when they arrive in the Super Bowl city. But then as the closer the game gets, the anxiety starts to build and the anticipation. So it's it's not expending too much emotional en- energy during the week because when it comes to game day, that's really when the magnitude of the game... Because coaches will say, just treat it like any other game. You've got a stadium, it'll be packed. But you know there are 100 million people around the world, hundreds of millions of people around the world, and that pressure can get to you. But you know, you'd like to think that the experience... Of Aaron playing in the AFL and and Jordan, who plays on the offensive line, he's so good at what he does. Um, but it's just to experience and and enjoy every moment because we know, I mean, to make it into the NFL is a difficult prospect. But to make the playoffs and then play in a Super Bowl, you just have to enjoy every moment that it has to offer.
1: So the battle of the quarterbacks is fascinating on a whole range of reasons. Patrick Mahomes going for his second Super Bowl when he's 27 years of age. Jalen Hurts in his first Super Bowl and Jordan Mailata will play a big role in that in trying to protect um, Jalen Hurts. So how do you see this one where all the focus is going to be?
4: Well, the Philadelphia Eagles have proven themselves to be the best team throughout the year. So they've got a high rank defense, they've got a great offensive and defensive line, Jalen Hurts is in the MVP conversation, they've got a good running game but the Chiefs have the best player on the field and that is Patrick Mahomes, we know that he's over that ankle injury and like all playoff games I'm expecting this to be close and if there's a quarterback in the NFL that I want the ball in their hands in the last quarter it is Patrick Mahomes, he's got a number of weapons at wide receiver Travis Kelsey's is the best tight end in the game I think Patrick Mahomes, if the Chiefs win, it'll be because of Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Jalen Hurts doesn't necessarily have to be the best player on the field for the Eagles to win. They've shown that. They've proven that because they've got other avenues. But for mine, it'll be an upset because the Eagles are favourites. I think it'll be the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to win it in the last quarter and to win the MVP. And you talk about he's won a Super Bowl before and he's lost the Super Bowl. He's the only quarterback, that can possibly get to the stratosphere of Tom Brady, who we know now is retired after his 35 playoff wins and seven Super Bowl rings, more than any other franchise, which is just crazy. But I think this will be, be a game that will add to Patrick Mahomes' legacy and win his second Super Bowl.
1: So you think it's going to go, go deep, this one? And let's hope that it does. Do you think it's going to be a high-scoring Super Bowl or a low-scoring Super Bowl?
4: Well, we all want to see a high-scoring game, and we may see that, but I think the way that the defense of the Eagles has been able to tear another one for the Giants and the 49ers last week despite their injury concerns and quarterback, uh, I think it'll be relatively low-scoring early. But despite the Chiefs and the Eagles being like one and two or top five in most categories when it comes to the team perspective, the Eagles actually have struggled to score in the second half. Now, that might be because they've had leads and they're trying to run out games and don't necessarily have to score. But I think it'll be close. It might be a defensive struggle early. But when it starts to explode, Patrick Mahomes will be the one to lead his team for a scoring drive or the scoring drives that they need to to win this game. So, like last year, it was quite a low-scoring game, but it came down to almost the final play. So, I'm expecting something like that again.
1: All right, so you've given us an insight into what it's like in Super Bowl world. Give us one insight then for our listeners who'll be tuning in on Monday. It's extraordinary radio, by the way, mate, and we're not just saying that because it's here and because it's you guys. It's fantastic. So, Jared, leading the call. You'll have Larry Fitzgerald Sr. alongside you as well. So, give me a little insight into Super Bowl commentary from your position alongside those that are going to be there and and the little quirks that you go through throughout the the entirety of the biggest match of the season.
4: Well, it's a privilege to call alongside Gerard Waitley because he's the best sports broadcaster in Australia. He is immensely prepared and he does it justice. He says it's like calling cricket where there are moments in a game. It's not like football where it's continue for 27 minutes and then you have a break. So you have those moments to discuss what's just happened and then you can almost anticipate what's going to happen next. So he's done... He he went overseas this year. He spent some time with some TV stations, some radio stations, again, around uh, improving himself in calling the NFL. And I've listened to a lot of radio calls on Westwood One, which is the radio station over here that call the games on radio. And to get an insight into what that colour analyst looks like. But to have Larry Fitzgerald Sr. in the booth after playing with Larry Fitzgerald Jr. here in Phoenix for about four years, is he adds another layer, his humble nature, his knowledge and expertise. But, Matty, I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, the NFL, but what I'm trying to do is... Raise the awareness to help people understand the game and the rules by explaining them really simply so that they can engage in it and listen to the game and really enjoy it. Because if you can't watch it, and I encourage you to take the day off and go and watch the game, but if you can't watch it, <laughs> tune in because it certainly is a, a, great, a great listen in what is the biggest sporting event in the world on a yearly basis.
1: Yeah, well done, mate. Enjoy it. Uh, You'll enjoy every second of it. Can't wait to tune on in. Have a good one. Thanks for your time. Well, it's afternoon, your time. Enjoy the rest of your day.
4: Thanks, Matty. Enjoy
10: the game.
1: Ben Graham there. Yes, uh, full coverage right here on SEN. So Monday from 9 o'clock. So we're going to have the day off. I know exactly what we'll be doing. Uh, We are taking NFL to the Neds level this season. Great insights. Thanks to Neds. Gamble responsibly. Call one 800 858 Eight five eight. So what's it gone just after 5 o'clock on Wednesday afternoon over there in Phoenix, Arizona? And so many great um, threads for Ben Graham to think about at this time, where he is, what he's done, what he's achieved. And, uh, yeah, what a spectacle. What an absolute spectacle. 20 minutes after 11 for our Sydney listeners, 20 past 10 for our Queensland listeners. Jack Robinson in the final in uh, Pipeline is currently leading Uh, Fioravanti, 9.17 to 7.47 points with five minutes remaining or thereabouts in the final. So let's see if Jack can bring it home. He won twice on tour last year. We had a chat to him uh, just last week as they were waiting to get things going. Uh, I think it was the week before. He won at Margaret River and then won the Quicksilver Pro G-Land back-to-back events en route to finishing third in the championship picture. Originally from Margaret River, um, an absolute, well, we made him the most stereotypical surfer we could find. Brooksy was producing that day and we found some great uh, vision of him as a 15-year-old kid and they did an article, uh, sorry, did a story on him and he dead set had the bold kind of haircut that uh, Warney would have been proud of at the time, the splash of blonde hair and he's gone on to become one, not only one of the best tube riders in the business but one of the best surfers in the world. And here he is knocking on the door of the Pipeline Masters title. So we'll keep you updated with that because time's ticking away. We need to take a break. Back on the other side. Uh, huge news for Australian surfing. Jack Robinson has won the Pipeline Masters. Well done to him. So a stunning win in the final. It's the first time that he has won that prestigious event. Like I say, the third time that he's won on tour. So he started 2023 with a bang after finish, after finishing in the top three on the World Tour in 2022. He joined some names too. I was just doing a quick search all the way back through the history books of the Pipe Masters. Larry Blair was the first Australian to win it, did it in 78 and 79. Mark Richards, Simon Anderson. So he we went Aussie, 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 um, quite literally all the way through the late 80s and into 1981. Oki won it. Tom Carroll won it three times, Um, Jake Patterson won it. The last Australian to win it before uh, Jack Robinson today was Julian Wilson back in 2014. So the first time in nine years an Aussie has taken out the Billabong Pipeline Masters. Well done to Jack. And obviously throughout the course of the uh, next few hours in the uh, run home with the boys, you will certainly hear a little bit more about that and Carissa Moore taking out the women's event. There you go. Good news out of Hawaii. Well done to Jack Robinson. Matty on the text line, Triple P here, a.k.a. the Perth Para Pest. (laughs) Can everyone get over the pitch in India? We're a country full of whinges. Who cares about the pitch? How good will it be when we beat them on it? Also, sell the kids, uh, do everything you can, (laughs) steal the handbag and put everything on Para 2023 Premiers. Thank you for that, Triple P, the Perth Para Pest. Are we whinging about it? I don't know if we're whinging about it. I think we're we're trying to work out whether it falls into the category of doing it the way that you would do it, you know, as the home ground advantage, as the home ground um, curator, or is it overstepping that mark? I, I don't know if Australians are up in arms about it. Certainly the Australian players aren't doing much, <laughs> but gee, there's a lot of talk about it and a lot of interest in it. In fact, from that, the Wild Panther says, Matty, if I was Patty Cummins, the first thing I'd do is double-check the coin. Make sure it's not a double-headed coin so India can win the toss and bat. (laughs) Thank you, Uh, Wild Panther. Uh, So what have we still got to do? Well, we've got to catch up with Robert Mack from Sydney FC. Tommy's Tribune as well. He is looking for headlines around the pitch. Let's have a bit of fun with that. NRL preseason challenge, or even the standoff. If you want, 0457 736 736. A uh, Signet Boost Power Banks there if you come up with the best one. So headline responsibly is our new tagline for Tommy's Tribune. Thanks to the listener who provided that one for us. Let's go to the news and uh, the final half hour of the program coming up. Thanks, Vanessa. A-League action uh, gets underway tomorrow. Brisbane Roar v Central Coast. Mariners Saturday afternoon. Western United and Adelaide. United. And then Saturday night at Combank Stadium, the return bout. So the local derby between the Western Sydney Wanderers and Sydney FC. And joining us on the line this morning from Sydney FC is Robert Mack. Good morning, Robert. Thanks for your time.
0: Hello. Good morning.
1: Good morning to you. Thanks for your time. You're looking forward to this one. It's always a big one against uh, the Wanderers. How's the preparation going?
0: Um, Yeah, it will will be my first one in... uh in Wanderer Stadium, so everyone says it's an uh, amazing atmosphere, it's fantastic derby. We, we already got one in our stadium, which was also very, very good, but the result was not, not for us uh, really good when we lost uh, 1-0. So, yeah, uh, we prepared like that we want to give them something back, and we we are looking forward to it, and yeah, we want to show them that we can also beat them in their stadium.
1: You've played all around the world. You've played derbies all around the world, in Greece, in Russia, and Germany. What is it you think that makes them so special when it's head-to-head, neighbour against neighbour?
0: Yeah, derby is always special, even special when it's from the same city. It's, um, you know, it's it's special day. It's a special day for the fans, obviously, for all Sydney. And, you yeah, um, know it makes better atmosphere and of course uh, when we meet uh, two very good teams from the league then uh, it makes even better so yeah i'm really looking forward to it and um, hopefully the fans will enjoy it like they enjoyed last time and how i said we're gonna play we are now uh, we, we've got two wins in the row so we feel very confident, so with this confidence, we want to go there, and yeah, we want to show them that, how I said, we, we can win also in, every, in their stadium.
1: Yeah, and, and as you point out, it was 1-0 their way at Allianz Stadium, so off the back of those two wins in particular, and a charge up the table, do you see yourself as a better team than the first time you played against them this season, back in November?
0: No, I think the game was even in November was fifty fifty was uh, or it was um, it was close game they scored I don't know in the last ten minutes they scored this one one uh, one goal and they they won it. so I don't believe there is something very much different, but yeah after two wins when you go when you get two wins against a very strong teams, so you are more confident and I think the players are also more confident. And uh, we will uh, we will work hard these days uh, until Saturday and yeah we want to show them that we are ready and we are ready better than we are be- when we-, we were before.
1: What's the focus on trying to keep that momentum going after the win over Melbourne victory and the win over the Central Coast Mariners? So how do you keep that role going?
0: Yeah, we have to do it like this is our first role when we won uh, two games in the row so in the season so, we want to keep keep doing it. We want to push it, and uh, yeah, there is no better there is no better game than to, to show it in the derby game. And of course, it will be very intensive, and it will be very very difficult. They have very good squad, but we have also very good squad, and yeah, uh, we we are going there for the win. We have to we have to give them back.
1: And, of course, last season, mate, you were playing in the UEFA Champions League, weren't you? So you decided that Australia's where you wanted to be. Is it is it what you thought it was going to be or what have been the key points of difference that perhaps you didn't think about the A-League?
10: Um,
0: yeah, I spoke with, um, with the ex-players, who played here, and everybody recommended me that uh, Australian League is really, really strong. It's not easy to play, and... Um, yeah, how you can see Australian football is in, in good uh, good end there in the world Cup what they showed and everything so the league is really difficult it's not easy to play so yeah I'm really enjoying the moment and uh, yeah of course uh, you can be al- always better and better and I'm still I'm still you can say new in the league so hopefully hopefully it will be better and better but yeah the league is really good it's not easy to play and it can compare with uh, a lot of European leagues
1: Enjoy the experience out there at Comback on Saturday, Robert. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye.
6: Independent, trustworthy and dazzling. Time now for Tommy's Tribune.
1: Yes, it is. Of all the experiences, I reckon that Robert Mack has had, has he had the experience of ending an interview and having Tommy's Tribune's incredible intro run off the back of it? I, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's... There's a new one for you, Rob. Thanks for your, your time on that one. By the way, football, $40 family passes available to the Isuzu Ute A-League men, T's and C's apply. Tommy, uh, you came just barreling in with your own uh, Tommy's Tribune headline act. So we're going to get to those in just a sec. So there's the shout-out, folks. 0457 736 736 is the number. If you've got your headlines, send them in. Uh, already a couple on the line, so Tommy, we'll get yours, and then we'll go through our listeners. I've just been digging into too, a little bit more about Jack Robinson's performance uh, at Pipe. So he's disposed of Fiorevanti in the final, but along the way, I got rid of Gabriel Medina, John John Florence as well. Um, now, what are you, what are you mumbling there, mate? What are you, what are you mumbling about? You just got well, Matty. My, job is, to my do. job is, my job
5: is. Producer to help you along the way, and so I just want to let you know we've got the audio of Jack Robertson speaking after his Pipeline win. If you Would want you? to play that,
1: oh, okay. Here we oh, go. You weren't mumbling; you were actually just going to throw to that anyway. Let's have a listen to Jack Robinson the winner of the Billabong Pipeline.
5: Uh, it's so special. I uh, I dreamed of this for a long time, and um, and he was one of my favourite surfers ever, um, along with a lot of other greats. And uh, yeah, just an honour. I don't know, just to to feel everything and feel all the emotions at the start of the year you you know you don't know how everything's uh you know how you're going to come back and um yeah I was feeling good but you never know with, with this beast you know with her so yeah it's uh what a way to start it I'm just so grateful you know that's that's one of the biggest things every time I was telling out there this wave's hurt me this wave's given me a lot of good things too and um I'm just super grateful to be in one piece and you know be in the moment and be able to do it so um Yeah, so much fun.
1: Wow, congratulations to him. Tyler Wright missed out in the women's final. So Carissa Moore winning that one. And, of course, um, they'll head off to Sunset next in Oahu as well. But what a moment for Jack Robinson. You can hear the uh, emotion in his voice as well. All right, Tommy, let's dig into Tribune, uh, Tribune headline world. What have you got for us first up?
5: Well, Matty, are you a fan of Kylie Minogue?
1: Isn't, any, isn't everyone?
5: Yes, isn't any and every Aussie. So just yes. cast your mind back to this beautiful song.
6: You like like yep.
5: yeah. So a great song by the one, the only, Kylie Minogue. And Aussies spinning around. That's my headline. Aussies spinning around thanks to the Indian curator's uh, in Nagpur, it's going to be a fiery test and there's going to be a lot of spin on display. So Aussie spinning around, that's yeah. my headline. for this. So I'm not really predicting anything. I'm not predicting a result, but I'm just saying it's going to be a lot of spin. It's going to be that's a lot of fun. One. Uh, next one, Wyden wrestles a victory away <laughs> from the Murrays. So Jack Wyden, we all know he was in the news for his little scuffle, little wrestle with Latrell Mitchell. Um, so yeah. Wyden wrestles a victory away from the Murrays. And again, I'm going to be a little bit biased, biased here. Keep your eyes out for Sydney Roosters second rower Siwa Wong. Um, lots of lots of raps on him. Phil Gould said last year he's the next big thing. So Storm in Siwa. and I'm tipping he scores a try against the Melbourne Storm this Sunday.
1: Ooh, okay. So was that a was that a double whammy that one? That was the the Whiten and headline and then a sub.
5: Well, a no, sub that's just that's sub a, a an, that's another headline. So see. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's another headline. So there's three there. So Aussie spinning around. Whiten wrestles a victory away from the Maoris and Storm in Siwa. All right.
1: What do you think about those? 0457 736 736. Let's rip through some of those on the uh, text line. <coughs> uh, this one from Steve. Forget the spicy curry and the tandoori. The heat is about all about the pitch in Nagpur.
5: <coughs> yeah, okay. I like yeah. it.
1: Hey, folks, guess what? That means Tommy's in a good mood. Get him in now. Um, uh, this one from Kev from Camden. Punjabi pitch prepper pushes Pat's patience. So the Punjabi pitch prepper pushes Pat's patience. That's 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 got everything that you like. What's the
5: alliteration, Matty? Yeah. Tick 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 tick.
1: Nice work, Kev. You're at the top of the tree at the moment. Uh, (laughs) Our lefties are whinging, but Big Ravi is grinning. Says Matt.
5: It doesn't rhyme. It didn't rhyme. (laughs) Our lefty, whinging, our grinning. lefties are whinging, but Big Ravi is grinning. Uh, Matt, I like where he's coming from, but it doesn't rhyme.
6: Whinging, he's got, grinning. but
5: he, yeah, but he's going for the. I think he's going for the rhyme. And Matt, um, prove me wrong if if I am wrong in that oh, in that sense. Okay. But I'm. I he was in a good mood.
1: I do my best, Matt. I do my best try and get you across the line. Um, John says Derby drama. Mac the Slovak wins it with a late winner. Oh.
5: Yes, please. Hopefully we. Um, Hopefully, we attributed to that as well, having him on the show today.
1: <laughs> Chook man Master Chef, Spin Doctor cooks up a home inspired dish.
5: Yeah, big tick. Chookman, big yeah, tick.
1: That's good. And uh, the Pearl always likes to throw a couple in. He just he he, he gets a whole stack of darts. And I th- them at he the dart is ball. the
5: Tommy's Tribune MVP on Mornings with Matt White, Matty. I just mm. say the Pearl. He always has some bell ringers.
1: Yes, and it was the Pearl who said headline responsibly yesterday, yes. wasn't
5: it? I, be, I yes. believe so. If it wasn't Pearl, let us know, please. I know he's very honest.
1: If it was you, Pearl, invoices to Tommy uh, for copyright <laughs> purposes. Okay, Latrell yearly controversy, white on time, as in white on Yeah, time. that's a tick. That's a tick. That's a good. Um, Mo SOS, Mitchell rescues tigers, so Moses, but Mo SOS. Oh, I like that. Tick. <laughs> that's not bad. Doctor Dirt, lethal injection, uh, lethal injection for lefties.
9: Mm. Oh, yeah, you, you didn't did like you it,
1: see? You play your favourites, like I said, folks. I try. I, I don't I try have favourites, money Come on, dragons win the battle of the red V's up against St Helens. <laughs> nice, lordy, nice. Thank you. I'm I'm, uh,
5: I'm tipping St Helens to beat the dragons. I know that sounds that sounds outrageous, given they're a Super League team, but. I think Dragons, I firm in for my tip for the wooden spoon this year, the St. George Lawrence Dragons. So I want to go St. Helens in an upset. I don't know if you'd call it an upset. I'd love to see what the betting agencies have it, but Mm. I'm going with St. Helens to get a victory on away soil.
1: Your man McHugh, headline, the pipe isn't right. Tyler Wright falls short of pipeline, which is maybe, and then there's maybe Jack's back or something like that. Jack's back, yeah, I like that. Jack's back, he loves it, he loves it. Um, And Matt says you're harsh, Tommy. Yeah, I agree with you, Matt. He's, he's harsh. I thought he was in a good mood, and look at how
5: cool But guess what, Matty around. didn't. Matt didn't say there that he wasn't not trying to rhyme. So if Matt, if you were trying to rhyme, it just didn't work. So apologies for that.
1: Yeah, we're getting into pedantics. All right, nice works. So have you got a winner out of all of that? Or are you just going to go? Um, through I'll and, find and one, one, and
5: uh, we'll let you know the, at the end of the show.
1: Okay, back after this. Now, we've got a special edition of The Run Home coming up very soon with Joel and Fletch, and Matty Johns will be part of the show as well. So it's going to take you into the cricket, the first test. Um, Fletchy boy, in in line, in keeping with the RLPA directive. Yes. If there isn't an agreement very, very soon, are you going to start your show five minutes late?
10: Uh, well, no, because, <laughs> because we've taken the role off the great Jimmy Smith. Jimmy wasn't too happy that we've moved yes. on to... To midday, so we're going to make sure we respect Jimmy's slot, yeah, and we're going to make sure we start on time.
1: How did you break the news to James? Oh,
10: I was, I'm a coward, you know that. I didn't mention it, I just text messaged right. and said, Mate, I need your car spot because I'm in. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm in. Hey, I'm just looking at you on the uh, on the Skype here. Are you on the farm?
1: I am, yeah, yes, it uh, yes. looks very, I,
10: I, looks very uh, homely. It's the, very homely.
1: I've got to go once. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the old ear pods in the buds. And I'll be listening to you, Palookas, and I'll be chasing a couple of cows. Oh, good. So I, good. I turned up this morning, Fletchy boy, and there's a new one. So it's not oh, mine, but it might be beautiful. by the end of the day.
10: Celebration of life, or did no, you no, steal no, no, it? No. Did you steal it? No, one? no,
1: it's just from it's the next door neighbours. Oh,
10: okay. Well, just get rid of that. Well, no, I'll keep it. I just no, yeah. no, because that you get your stock police. Yeah, that, that's...
1: remember, remember fine cotton. Remember the fine cotton affair. Yep. With the, in the horse racing when I they do. tried to they tried to put the paint on old fine cotton and it, and it started the makeup basically ran off
10: bold personality yes
1: yes yes well this is one of these cows with the white black cow with the white face
9: oh, so,
10: oh pale I'm, face I'm adios one, <laughs> Very I'm wondering
1: good. Wondering if I might have to do a bit of fine cotton affair to try and Bondi. hide it from the stock police. What's coming up today? Uh, H- we
10: have a big show. It's only two and a half yes. hours. We probably need five hours. We uh, we're going to talk about Jackie Robinson just winning Pipeline. Awesome. It didn't look like Pipeline, did it? You had a look at it. It looked like North Bondi on a uh, on a, a howling subtly. It just didn't look like Pipeline. But we'll chat about that. We're going to go over to India, speak to Bharat. Sunderason, our man over there, Dougie Gottlieb from Arizona, he's over there. We're going to discuss the Super Bowl, and we're going to go all the way to Coleroy and speak to Matthew John. So it's a pretty, it's an Ooh. around the world show. This from
1: Nagpur from from Oahu to yep. Nagpur. Yep.
10: To where
1: else we going? Arizona. Arizona,
10: it's Scottsdale, a, to be exact, and, and then to the plateau, and, Colorado in the
1: backyard of uh, the Northern Beaches. So yeah. a massive one. Are you okay with with the Indian curator doing what he needs to do?
10: Well, uh, no, I'm, nah, I'm I'm happy with that. It's their it's their home ground. I used to do that in the backyard. So when I had the yeah. great Zachary Higgs come over, I used to doctor my pitch. Yes. Yeah. So he was uh, he was left handed as well. <laughs> so, but we're hearing that. Um, well, I just got told that. Davey Warner's been playing Ducks and Drakes, batting right-handed in the nest. He's going to right-handed. Because he yeah. plays golf right-handed.
1: Well, he can. He's
10: very talented. I
1: mean, yeah, very talented. All right, mate. Thanks, Matthew. Good we'll luck with the cows shoot. too. Thank you. I'll need Good luck it. With the cows. I'll, I might phone in if there's some shenanigans going That's on. That's fine. I, I don't Just... mind the
10: hanger steak. Give me a bit of that.
1: <laughs> Start Get that on time. that for me for lunch. Thank you. Jarl and Fletch coming up with the run home very soon, so make sure you're part of it, and that'll take us straight into full coverage. Of the first test, so looking forward to that one. The SEN team on the ground in Nagpur. Um, Just a couple of texts uh, to finish off for you, Tommy. So Matt did come back. He said, our lefties are whining and Big Ravi keeps dining and dining Uh, because he's put on a few kgs. (coughs) Matty, Jimmy hasn't had a good day. Um, Poor reception. Yes, it was the Pearl who came up with the headline responsibly so we can have that one gratis, Tommy. He's given it to you for free. That's how we operate here. Righto, we'll take our last break of the hour then we'll come back and wrap it up and hand it over to Joel and Fletch. That is it folks, we are done and dusted. We're at the chequered flag for this week. Don't forget tomorrow morning from nine so Matty Johns returns with morning glory and then uh, I'll be back again sometime next week. We've got the broadcast of the Super Bowl on Monday morning of course so I'll be sitting back watching and listening to that but Matty Johns coming your way both tomorrow morning and on Joel and Fletch so the boys are starting early with the run home and taking you all the way up to the first ball of the cricket, the preview just before that from Nagpur. So there you go. Your afternoon is locked in and loaded right here on SEN. Just a final text, this one from Brayden, who likes to listen in from Perth. Always enjoy your show. Thank you, mate. Hope the NRL can sort out with the RLPA before the start of the season. He says, I understand where the players are coming from. I just hope it doesn't go too far so the boys can just rip in. Good way to put it, Brayden it would be good if we got all this behind us and they can just rip into the season. The preseason starts tonight. Jack Robinson's one over there at Pipe. The uh, fellas will be covering that. And a whole stack of stuff coming your way right here on The Run Home. So stick around. Thanks for your company. Have a great day, everybody. And I'll speak to you again next week. Bye for now.